0: today on Ag News Daily.
1: The pictures that you see on the internet and the, the, the clips that you see on Facebook really don't justice until you talk to these people and, and they share their stories with you.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Another fri episode here on the Ag News Daily podcast, joined this time by guest co-host Chad Ingalls. Chad, tell our listeners, for those of you that but for those folks that maybe don't interact with you on Twitter or social media, a little bit about your farming operation.
2: Yeah, Delaney. Well, thanks for having me today. Um, we farm up in northeastern Iowa in Fayette County. We've got uh, corn, soybeans, and hogs. And our hog operation is a little unconventional. We sell a majority of our pigs to Nyman Ranch. And so all our pigs are finished either outdoors or in uh, hoop barns.
0: Yeah, so let's, I know what Nyman Ranch is, but maybe listeners outside of the Midwest might not know what Nyman Ranch is. Can you walk us through how they raise hogs in maybe more of an unconventional manner as opposed to a confinement setting?
2: Sure. And so to to qualify for Nyman Ranch, we have to raise all the pigs in uh, deep-bedded pens or out on pasture, Um, no antibiotics, um, uh, no uh, meat and bone meal and that kind of thing in the feed. Uh, they do really emphasize uh, vaccinations, and we we treat for all um, parasites, uh, internal and external. So pretty typical that way. We can still use uh, GMO corn and soybean meal. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, so big. Just the big thing is uh, where they're raised at, kind of the outdoor settings and the the lack of antibiotic use.
0: Right, which uh, just attracts a different type of consumer. I'm guessing.
2: Right. A consumer that's maybe willing to pay a little bit more for the the pork, of course, and uh, has a little more emphasis on um, what what they may believe to be better animal welfare, Mm -hmm. whether it is or not.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we used to raise hogs for Nyman Ranch, too. Oh, let's see. We got out of it 2014, maybe. So it's been a little while, but yeah, it's an interesting way that they do things.
2: Yeah, and they're they're really uh, trying to grow. They want to double their uh, hog farmer hmm. numbers here in the next ten years. And so, I would really encourage anybody that's kind of interested to check them out. And uh, they're they're really great to work with, and uh, really focus on uh, helping the farmer succeed.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for that plug, Chad. I know another thing that you focus on a lot. Because of your background, is water and water quality and things that kind of go along with that. We saw today the FDA's Deputy Commissioner of Foods um, say that the agency is committed to finalizing by 2022 a new revised safety standard for water used in irrigated or um, in the process of producing fresh produce. They're thinking of essentially lightening some of the concerns. Um, they're saying there's inadequate They're saying right now they're inadequate to prevent outbreaks, uh, such as those that we saw with the romaine lettuce. But when you look at water quality right now, Chad, what are some issues that come to mind? Especially, I mean, in areas like parts of western Iowa and Nebraska that have been impacted by the floods, are there water quality concerns there for you?
2: Well. I- Certainly, I think water qual or water qual quantity, excuse me, is, is mm-hmm. the big thing with that flooding that's going on in uh, Nebraska and Western Iowa. That's just uh, tremendous what's happening. And, and I know you've mentioned a time or two earlier since that's happened that the mainstream media is really not covering it. Yeah. And I saw here today that uh, CNN is starting to cover it a little bit and uh, had a, had an article on their website about it and. An interest, an interesting picture they had associated with it was uh, a skid loader putting uh, hay bales into a big Chinook helicopter hmm. so they could get yeah. them to cattle to feed. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, um, one of the things I did have related to water quality, kind of a news item, was uh, back in February, the people in the city of Toledo were able to vote on a bill called the Lake Erie Bill of Rights which basically gave uh, Lake Erie itself kind of the rights of a person, essentially. Hmm. And uh, that was passed by the people of the city of Toledo. And immediately following that, uh, the farm sued the city of Toledo, the Drew's Farm Partnership, and Mark Drew's is the lead farmer there. And the interesting thing that just came out in the news I just saw here that happened yesterday was that uh, there was a motion to intervene in the lawsuit that would permit Lake Erie to become a party of the lawsuit and directly defend its own rights. And so the city of Toledo basically gave Lake Erie the rights of a person through through this law. And um, so it's set up to be a, a big court battle along the way. And it's uh, interesting how the, the environmentalists want to you know, give a, an inanimate object mm-hmm. all the rights and that a person would have. And what that uh, Bill of Rights allows for is that anybody in the Lake Erie watershed could sue somebody else if they thought that person's actions were harming the lake. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but that's a big water quality issue that we're going to be seeing in the news.
0: And And I think it's probably safe to bet that following this case, it could set precedent for other states and other entities to do similar actions depending on how the lawsuit shakes out.
2: Oh, definitely. Then this is uh, um, the Lake Erie Bill of Rights is the first kind of uh, rights of nation, nature uh, law put in place in the United States, but there's quite a few of them around the world in different countries.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Thanks for that. That's a, yeah, h- hadn't seen that. I don't watch Probably water quality issues as close as you do, but uh, that's a good piece.
2: Yep. no. the Ohio Farm Bureau is really trying to be on the forefront and I helping to uh, kind of fight back against that.
0: Yeah, I bet so. Well, since you um, opened the gate there a little bit to talking about the floods, we've got a little bit more news coming out today. Still just a lot of preliminary um, preliminary reports on the amount of damage and whatnot, but we're seeing in Congress some legislation that could hit the floor. The Senate is aiming to vote on a House-passed $14.2 billion disaster aid bill when both chambers return from recess next week. We saw President Trump issue now that it is a federal disaster. He approved it to be a federal disaster on Thursday which unlocks some new federal resources for Nebraska, for the state of Nebraska. We're expecting to see Iowa also submit their own disaster request to Washington, potentially over the weekend. Um, Senator Joni Ernst said that Fremont County alone has lost about $7 million worth of grain due to flooding And so it's interesting you mentioned that helicopter picture that was on CNN's website because uh, it sounds like quite a few people are asking for hay. That's one of the biggest things, especially in Nebraska, that they need. That's what Governor Ricketts has asked for from the state. And we're seeing now that in some of these areas, especially north of Omaha, we're having to have helicopters essentially bring in bales of hay to reach some of those livestock affected
2: yeah it's just been pretty amazing i saw the story of a farmer that had to basically take a boat to get to his mm-hmm. livestock operation and take care of his hogs and just uh, it's one thing to to be able to go in and check on them but how do you get feed to them and, right. and keep them going that way it's pretty amazing what they're going through over there and um, I know there's a Nebraska Department of Ag has a lot of uh, links on their website for assistance and ways to help people. Other people can help out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're saying hay and fencing equipment is the number one thing that they're looking for right now, Um, as well as, of course, I'm sure monetary donations are great as well. But we've seen 74 counties have issued emergency declarations in the state of Nebraska, 81 of Iowa's 99 counties are under flood warnings. And really, I think the concern is that long term, we're going to see um, more levees breached. And once watersheds further up north start to melt, continuing to see more flooding happen.
2: Yeah, there's just a tremendous amount of snow that still needs to melt up in Minnesota and Dakotas. And that's all got to come downstream right past us.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, Chad, I'm interested to hear what you thought of uh, Betsy Freeze's interview the other day talking about African swine fever. We've seen confirmations now of the largest sale of pork to China in quite some time. There are estimates now that China, their hog herd is down over 30%. And one estimate even indicated that to replace a 30 to 31% reduction in Chinese hogs, it would require the production of Canada, U.S., Brazil, and Mexico to all be at record levels this year, and USDA is currently estimating that the Chinese swine inventory will be down to three hundred and seventy-four million head by the end of twenty
2: nineteen. Yeah, that's uh, I, I did listen to Betsy's uh, interview here that you had here a couple days ago, and uh, read her article on agriculture dot com, and it's just it's just really amazing we can't even understand and and, and what the people over there go through mm-hmm. as far as not being able to get accurate information or or information being squelched and um what she went through just uh, by trying to get a little bit of information out a couple of tweets and she was shut down and had to had to come back and wait to put a story up until she was back and I know still still working through that and trying not to say the wrong things in the article but get the message out and uh, I I took a quick after I read that article I took a quick look at the hog market and Mm -hmm. and basically the last last two weeks and I think her article went up about the 10th of March 12th of March or Mm -hmm. something like that but but since March 8th June hogs have been up over $20 I know uh, 100 and it's just the I don't see any reason for it to stop here for a while. It's just going to keep
0: yeah. working up. And it was yesterday or the day before was the first time we saw the full extended limit up of 450 because the limit up is three dollars or 300 points, and 450 is the full extended limit. And we finally saw that hit that, and it's been quite some time since we've went that full extended limit in the hog markets. From a producer standpoint, I know with Nyman Ranch, you're already contracted ahead, but do you think you'll see any of this impact in the lean hog markets trickle down into your pocket?
2: Oh, I think so. As far as the Nyman Ranch goes, we're kind of set up with the base price on our contract. So anytime it gets up above the base, we Mm -hmm. take full advantage of uh, the price increase. And uh, they're like the June hogs are already above where our contracted price would be. And so, yeah. Um, we'll be able to join in that rally as well.
0: That's awesome. Because I know a lot of hog producers are, you know, contracted with Naman Ranch or Tyson or Smithfield or whoever. So I didn't know if you, if producers were able to take advantage of some of those rallies or not.
2: Yep, that's kind of one of the benefits. They kind of put a floor in place based on uh, corn and soybean uh, meal prices. Mm-hmm. And so it leaves the, leaves the top side open for us.
0: That's great. Well, one other piece of Chinese-related news uh, that I saw for today was export sales. We saw on Friday morning the Foreign Agricultural Service announced an export sale of 300,000 metric tons of U.S. corn to China. We've been seeing rumors and speculation in the news and in the markets that China was going to buy corn. And now we have some concrete evidence that they have finally bought some U.S. corn. And this is a significant purchase of U.S. corn Years prior, they haven't bought in a su- substantial amount. I think I was looking at a graph that said since like mid two thousands.
2: Yeah, that's uh pretty great to hear. I went back and looked at the the market again, and it's been since February twenty fifth since December corn has been up above four dollars, mm-hmm. and we got up just over that here today, and so positive outlook uh, for people that want to start maybe looking at pricing some. With corn, new crop corn, and some opportunities to maybe move some old crop, too, maybe coming along the way.
0: Absolutely. Chad, is there any other news that you've been watching that you think other producers should be aware of?
2: Those are kind of the big things. It's just, I went and was looking around the ag news, especially, and just really dominated by the flooding situation yeah. in Nebraska and yeah. Iowa and uh, not a, not a lot of other issues important enough to kind of beat those out in the news cycle.
0: Yep. And that's perfect. Um, Today's interview is with Josh Swatos, who's out of Yankton, South Dakota. They've been hit by the flooding, but really the, the community in Yankton, South Dakota has worked together to, to uh, get donations of water to send to some of these communities that don't have running water, and he just talks about some of the impacts that he's seeing firsthand up there, and that he's seen in some of the neighboring communities across the border there in Nebraska. So I think that's maybe not a fun episode for today, but I think really one that sheds some light firsthand on folks feeling the effects in some of those areas. And another reminder for folks: I'm going to be heading out to those areas on Monday and and maybe part of Tuesday. So if you have anything that you'd like to share, I would love to come talk to you and, and hear your story. So,
2: Yeah, I know. I'll be really interested in the, hear what you find yeah. out when you go out there and to, and to listen to the interview you've got set yeah. up here today.
0: Yeah, definitely not fun stuff, but yeah. important that somebody is covering these stories since mainstream media is not really doing that yet.
2: Yeah, that's what we need.
0: Absolutely. Well, Looking across the grains for today, soybeans were the losers in the grain pits. And of course, our markets are sponsored by our partners at the Zaner Group. You can give them a call anytime at 312-277-0050. Looking across the corn contracts first, a little bit of positivity sparked by that news of China's buys. The May contract closed up two cents on the day at 378 and a quarter. The December up a penny and a quarter to close at $4 even. In the soybean pits, the May contract lost six and three quarters cents to close at 903 and three quarters. The November down seven and a quarter cent to close at 937 and a half. In the wheat pits, slightly down on the day, the May contract down half a cent at 466 even. The July down three quarters of a cent to close at 470 and three quarters. Looking over into the livestock pits, the live cattle contract April lost 17 cents to close at 129.72 and a half. The August up 5 cents to close at 120.02 and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, some spread here. The March contract, 22.5 cents up on the day at 143. Even the April shed 12.5 cents to close at 148.80. Lean hog markets didn't see quite as an exciting day today, but still had some green on the screen. April contract unchanged at $78.32.5. The May up $0.42.5 cents to close at 8702 And the June up $0.92.5 cents to close at $95.67.5. Rounding out our markets with the dairy Class three milk futures, the March contract unchanged at 1503 And the April down four cents at 1529. Now, Chad, what do you say? Should we kick it over to my discussion with Josh Swatos to hear some of those impacts from flooding?
2: Definitely. Let's hear what he has to say.
0: Josh Swatos is a resident of Yankton, South Dakota, and one of the areas of the country that's gotten really hit hard with some of this flooding. Josh, tell me a little bit about the flooding that's going on in your part of South Dakota.
1: You know, uh, about a week ago, we were, we were sitting here looking at the weather forecast, and they kept talking about this bomb cyclone that was going to settle in over the Midwest. And, and we're thinking, whew, if we get the amount of rain that they're talking about on top of frozen ground and the snow that we have here in piles, this is going to get kind of interesting real quick. And when Wednesday and Thursday rolled around, you know, Wednesday, especially with all the rain we had here in Yankton, right around three inches, it was interesting. And it got interesting real quick. We saw areas that haven't flooded in a long time, flood. And our neighbors over here in Nebraska experienced catastrophic situation when the Spencer Dam broke. And so, you you know, you, you look at, what's coming in the weather forecast and you you always sit there saying well that isn't going to happen not me well guess what that did happen and uh, mother nature reminded us all of who really calls the shots
0: so how much rain have you gotten in total
1: you know last week on top of the, the, the snowfall that we had we ended up with just right around three inches it depends on whose rain gauge you looked at but on average right around three inches on top of a, a frozen ground and, and the snowfall was already here.
0: Jeez. That's a lot of, that's a lot of rain on top of the snow. So tell me how delayed do farmers think they're going to be in that part of the the state to get into the fields?
1: You know, that's going to be the million dollar question. You know, we had a wet fall and you know, there was a lot of standing water coming into uh, uh, the winter months. You know, we really didn't kick into a hard winter until the end of January and early February. And, you know, it depends on what part of the state you're in. You know, you take a look at typically when when we get into the fields around here, you know, you're looking at late April, you know, mid to late April is typically when, when the farmers usually cut loose around here. And, Boy, uh, looking at what's happened here recently, I don't even want to speculate or lay a guess on that because the, the flooding in the Missouri River Basin, Jim River Valley, a big Sioux River and what we just experienced with the uh, that uh, that's the million-dollar question, I guess.
0: Yeah, And you mentioned that not only have you experienced this bomb cycle hurricane, but now you're also probably going to get effects of it coming from further north and heading down south to your part of South Dakota.
1: Absolutely. You know, they talk about it in the media around here, the TV stations and social media are telling the folks up around Sioux Falls prep, because it's not a matter of if, it's when the big Sioux river is going to flood and the Jim river right here, that right here close to Yank and on the east side of Yank and that, that Valley is flooded and the Vermillion river. And that's all got to go somewhere. And, You know, it's dumping into the Missouri River. And and a lot of our friends and neighbors are really reeling from this one. And the pictures that you see on the Internet and the the, the clips that you see on Facebook really don't do justice until you've talked to these people and, and they share their stories with you.
0: What are some of those stories that have been coming out of your area, Josh?
1: You know, um on Wednesday mornings here, I'm president of RTEC. It's a nonprofit technical training facility. We have high school kids coming over from Santee, Nebraska. And we started really catching video clips of what happened over there in Nebraska Santee, Niobrara, Bristol, Lynch, Spencer. You know, you just go up and down that Niobrara River Valley. And when that Spencer Dam broke last Thursday, it sent a wall of water about 11 foot high down that whole valley. And it just was, it was like a bulldozer coming right at that valley. And it took trees and debris and farms. I mean, it, it changed the livelihood of those folks over in that country, which is a stone throw from where we're at right now. And we knew we had to do something. And so our community that Yankton our our citizens group called dive in Yankton we, we formed a water drive literally late Saturday afternoon and Sunday we started the water drive and we, we ended it yesterday. We ended up gathering two semi-loads full of bottled water for all those communities over there. The first semi-load is going to be shipped out here this morning, which is a Tuesday morning. And then the second load of water is going to be going Wednesday morning out to those communities, Spencer, Lynch, Bristol, Um, and butte nebraska those folks don't have any water and they're told it'll be a minimum of three weeks planning up to six weeks with no water they were on a rural water system that was absolutely destroyed when when the spencer dam broke and so stories like that uh, it it tugs on the heartstrings and and yanked and stepped up big like i said here in the last couple days and it's neighbor helping neighbor when they say south dakota strong nebraska strong it's midwest strong
0: wow three to six weeks yes so that means
1: you know talking to those folks out there we've been talking to them in the in the command centers you know when we look at this from an ag perspective not, not only just human this is the essential point of life water and so the rural water systems are cut off they're non-existent right now From what we're told, there was a boring company that made it out to that part of the country yesterday, Spencer, um, Lynch area. They're going to start working on that well. But if if you were on that rural water system and you did not have a well on your farm, they're sucking water from wherever they can get it to water their livestock. You know, you look at it from a human consumption standpoint. I took a shower this morning, which some people probably say, hey, that's a good thing. But those folks can't even do that out there. they don't have drinking water, they don't have water to shower, uh, brush their teeth, just the simple things in life they don't have right now, and so that's why we felt it was um, an urgent need to step up and, and get those folks what they need and yanked and stepped up in a big way.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't even think about just those simple things that we we just rely on, like brushing your teeth or taking a shower those are you know things we consider a basic yeah basic form of need, but those folks don't have that.
1: No, not right now. You know, schools are out, out there. It's, you know, until you've, you've had a conversation with those folks out there, you you don't really put it in perspective. You see the stories, you hear the stories, but until you actually talk to someone that's living that life right now, I mean, it's granted. We used to hear stories about like what happened in the olden days uh, we're back at that right now with some of these folks. And so, yeah, this is just neighbor helping neighbor here. And if the shoe was on the other foot, we know they would do it for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a little bit there about livestock have been feeling the effects too uh, from maybe not having a water source as well. Josh, what else are you hearing um, from a livestock perspective? Have animals been drowned during the, these yes. floods? Yes.
1: Yep, we've seen some pretty uh, heart-wrenching pictures on social media of of not just out there in the Niobrara River Valley, but down around Fremont and Columbus, where animals are landlocked on islands. We've heard stories of helicopters dropping hay to those animals, you know, little pockets of cattle out on sandbars or farmland that has just been flooded. I mean, it's 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 sad, and and you know, with the challenge that that ag is facing right now commodity prices are are challenged and, and we've heard some farmers that have lost everything uh, where do they start you know we've even heard stories of people looking at walking away from the family farm because they don't know where to turn and and uh you know the resource financial resources might not be adequately available and so those are just gut-wrenching stories that we're starting to hear but that's the reality of the situation
0: it's so unfortunate too, because it feels like that part of the Midwest gets hit hardest with, with Mother Nature's natural disasters.
1: Yeah. Yep. This was a curveball that was thrown at us, and and unfortunately, we didn't hit this one out of the park.
0: So, what's being done? You mentioned um, you guys were were working to send water to those folks, but what can be done at a community level? Are you, I mean, is Yankton you know, to the-, the point where you can't? Drive through the streets. I know a lot of Nebraska's been blocked off.
1: Yankton is good. You know we had some pretty interesting flooding when this all started, but uh, Yankton's good. We're we're banded together to help each other out. Not near as bad as what the Nebraska towns experienced.
0: And and Josh, just from your perspective, I know you do a lot of volunteer work, and and obviously you've been helping out those folks in Nebraska. What can folks listening do or? do to help some of those people that have been hit pretty hard with the droughts or with the floods excuse me you know
1: just follow them on social media knox county news over in nebraska does a good job um you know if anybody wants to reach out to myself um you know they can do that uh it's it it's community helping community and unfortunately not a lot of this has made the national news you know more people are worried about ACT cheating and how you get into colleges and cheating out on the coasts and what's going on in D.C., the real hardships right now are these people in the Midwest. This is ag country. This is where our food comes from. These producers have been affected. And, I, and I, I just really wish the national media would pay more attention to what's going on out here in the heartland.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like we get the short end of the stick more often than not. Josh, thanks so much for, for sharing a little bit about the floods impacting rural America right now.
1: Yep, not a problem.
0: Well, Chad, I know that if if folks are looking to get involved, the Nebraska Farm Bureau's website, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, and the Nebraska Cattlemen websites, those are all great resources to to look and see what you can do to help make some small impact in some of these producers' lives who have been impacted so devastatingly by these recent floods.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, super important for us people that are fortunate enough to be far away from those problem areas and help out a little bit that we can and um, help them, those people get through a really tough situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Chad, before I let you go for the weekend, if folks would interact with you on Twitter because they heard you today and thought, oh yeah, he's a guy that knows his stuff. How can they find you on Twitter?
2: You can find me at hort 4 So it's H-O-R-T, the number four C-Y.
0: Awesome. Chad, thanks for guest hosting with me today. With that, shall we let the people go?
2: Hey, let's let them go.